Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we'll be speaking with Jesse DeGrave, project manager at the Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources. She'll tell us about their organization's mission to help First Nations communities achieve sustainability and a healthy environment. Then we'll learn about the summer internship program at the Winnipeg Foundation and hear from some of the kids and organizers involved at the kickoff event earlier this week. And finally, Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons will join us this week to talk about what's happening in and around Winnipeg through the lens of citizen journalism. All this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. We have a jam-packed show. There's a lot of great conversations to be had this morning. Uh, we're going to give you a little preview of Folk Fest. There's, today's the last day, so and you still have time to get out there. Uh, so without further ado, let's just get right to it. Let's start things off with a little song. Uh, how about Windy by Wes Montgomery, right here on River City 360. listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. And we're now joined in the studio by a very special guest. We have Jesse DeGrave, the project manager at the Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources. Jesse, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, let's let's break down what exactly the Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources, or SEER, does. Tell, tell our listeners what, what SEER is all about. So SEER is a First Nations-directed environmental nonprofit organization. Uh, we are a national organization that works with Indigenous communities on a wide range of environmental projects. 
We've been working on projects with First Nation communities since 1994. So we've worked on over 450 projects with uh, over 300 First Nations across the country. Uh, we used to have central offices here in Winnipeg, um, but we've since gone virtual. So now we have staff in various parts of the country, um, but we do still have a lot of staff here in, in Manitoba. So, so 300 projects, give me an example of the types of projects that SEER works on. So the kinds of projects we work on are, um, as I said, they're all First Nations directed. So it's whatever the First Nation feels uh, they need to address. So it can range from anything from a water focus project so for example um, community-based monitoring around water quality um, it could be watershed planning uh, it could be engaging youth in water issues in their traditional territories and they approach you or how does the process work it works both ways actually um, communities will approach us if they're looking to implement a project and we'll work with them to secure funding and then collaborate with them on the project and help them to implement it from start to finish. Uh, we do have a lot of relationships with uh, communities from across the country so we often know what they are hoping to do or looking to do and so if we see a funding opportunity come about then we'll let the community know that hey this funding opportunity has arisen do you want to address those things that we had talked about a few months okay. ago or last year or something like that. So interesting. It seems as though, I mean, you, you, you mentioned the term uh, First Nations-led. Yeah. It seems like their community sort of needs to be the one that's taking the reins on, on, on a lot of these things and working with elders. So um, how, how do you implement your projects and your sort of goals, but still keeping in mind that we need to allow them to sort of take the reins and run, and run with these projects? We always, um, so we're guided by the First Nation, um, and we always, we, I should have mentioned before, but we're a capacity building organization. That's okay. kind of our, we're our environment, but our main goal is capacity building. So ultimately, we, we want to leave the community with the skills and the knowledge and the resources and the tools to ensure that whatever it is that we address, they have the capacity to continue doing that after we leave. So we always hire um, a project coordinator of sorts, or we work very closely with the lands department or a specific counselor or a youth group, like a youth council. You spoke a lot about water and water sustainability. Talk mm -hmm. about, and Manitoba has one of the largest freshwater reserves in all of the world. Uh, talk about how that uh, is going to affect First Nations communities moving forward and what, and what SEER is doing to sort of help guide Manitoba through this, the uncertainty of, of fresh water when it comes to the future. Yeah, water has been a long-standing issue for First Nation reserves in Canada for numerous, numerous years, and um, I suspect it'll start impacting the rest of society in the coming years due to the changes we may be seeing in, in our freshwater resources. Um, what we hope to do and what we would like to do with First Nation communities is um, be proactive now uh, in terms of what we can do is we work with watershed, we work with them on watershed planning. So what is it that's going on within the watershed? Um, what's the community's concerns about? What are their goals? What are their priorities? What are the things that we should, should start addressing now? Uh, we've done things like source water protection planning. So making sure where First Nations are actually accessing their drinking water is protected over the long term. 
So lots of prep planning, um, lots of implementation of projects to protect our water resources. Um, but the major issue with First Nations, uh, in my opinion, uh, with water is, is lack of clean drinking water. Right. So that's the major issue, and that comes down to infrastructure and yeah. other types of things. I visited uh, Shoal Lake 40 about a week ago. Oh, really? Or two weeks ago now, and uh, got a sort of tour of their f- uh, facil- facilities, quote-unquote, and just sort of the the um, situation out there, to put it lightly, and and it was very eye-opening to see and very sort of humbling and very frustrating to see the sort of level that they live at compared to our lives being able to live with the water that comes not, you know, five minutes away from their homes. Um, yeah. And what they what they expressed was that it's like this across the nation for a lot of First Nations communities. So yes. where does SEER come in when it comes to sort of this, you know, there's a lot of system systemic problems. Uh, do you work to, to sort of address those or, or where, where does where does SEER sort of fit in, in t- into the national scale when it comes to the systemic problems that a lot of First Nations communities see? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. Um, we're non-political. So we can't do any kind of lobbying of any sort. Um, um, and I feel lots of these issues come from um, policies and right. regulations that are in place. But what we aim to do at SEER is act as a bridge. So often First Nations and non-First Nation communities, uh, there's the relationship is either non-existent or, or can be... Um, negative there are lots of positive relationships so i do want to shed light that there are lots of really good collaborative positive relationships relationships between first nation and non-first nations but when there isn't a relationship or perhaps if the relationship is negative then we steer acts as a as a bridge to communicate and make sure collaboration can can at least get people coming to the table to talk about it yeah get on the same page in some some ways exactly okay we are speaking with Jesse DeGrave, project manager at the Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources. After a short musical break, we'll ask her about a brand new ecological reserve that launched recently in Manitoba and how Sierra is helping youth understand our environment. But first, here's the Everly Brothers with Crying in the Rain, right here on River City 360. I'll never let you I've got my pride and I know how to hide all my sorrow and pain. I'll do my crying in the rain. If I
Welcome back to River City 360. We are joined by Jesse DeGrave, project manager for the Re- Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources. So recently, the Broken Head Wetland e- Ecological Reserve held its grand opening uh, just northeast of the city. Yes. I understand SEER launched a project to give youth the opportunity to learn about the wetland and the important role that it plays in, in uh, Manitoba's ecosystem. Could you tell us a little bit about, uh, about that and, and how SEER is, uh, is helping youth understand sort of the ecological uh, ecosystem here in Manitoba? Yes, for sure. So I just want to take a second to congratulate the Broken Head Ojibwe Nation on the grand opening and all the very hardworking, dedicated folks from various um, communities and organizations that were a huge part in opening up that ecological reserve. It's it's it was a I was there in the at the grand opening and it was a a fabulous day and it's been I think about ten years in the making. Wow. So a lot of hard work, a lot of time to to get that going. Um, we have been working with the Broken Head Ojibwe Nation, and particularly Carl Smith, uh, who is what we've termed the local wetland expert, okay. as well as the lands department, um, Gordon Blue Sky, Holly and John. And we've been working with them on a restoration project for the wetlands. So the ecological reserve is a really unique area in terms of what it offers for, or it, it contains within the province, like it has super rare, um, Carnivorous plants, the so plants okay. that eat insects. Um, like Venus flytraps? Something like that. It's, yeah. it's the pitcher plant. Okay. The, the pitcher plant is the one species that comes to mind. Um, it's got lots of orchids and other really rare um, plants, uh, species. And um, so we've had a, a good relationship with the, the nation there on working within the wetland. And since the, oops, since the reserve just opened, the ecological reserve just opened, we saw an opportunity to bring... Uh, inner city indigenous youth out there to learn about this really unique area, this really unique ecosystem, uh, and not just about the ecosystem, but what the Broken Head Ojibwe Nation is doing to a preserve that that piece of of uh, nature that is really important to all Manitobans, but it's also really important to local communities in terms of a source of food and a source of local medicines. Okay. So. 
So, yeah, we, we got some funding from the Winnipeg Foundation to bring two groups of Indigenous youth from inner city Winnipeg out to the Ecological Reserve. Um, it'll be a day-long workshop. Um, each group will be about 35 kids, and uh, it'll be facilitated by SEER staff as well as Carl Smith who is the Broken Head Ojibwe Nation wetland expert, and we'll be teaching them about uh, what the wetland means to the community in terms of traditions and cultures and, and spirituality. Uh, we'll also be teaching them about what SEER and Broken Head have been collaborating on in terms of uh, some environmental restoration work around the river, the Broken Head River, and uh, the wetland outside of the ecological reserve. Um, as well as uh, some more of the ecosystem, ecological functions of like why are, why are wetlands important and specifically why are wetlands important in this particular area because and it's because it's in the southern basin of Lake Winnipeg and wetlands are a filtration system and so any kind of uh, impurities or excess of nutrients like phosphorus, um, wetlands help to um, filter those out before they move further up the system in other words like winnipeg very cool so yeah. it's kind of a um a workshop that it's going to combine the traditions of of their sort of history and tradition yeah. and with the modern sort of science and importance of the of the ecosystem yeah exactly and that's what we typically like to do with the workshops that we do with youth um is include the local community members that have that traditional knowledge that local knowledge of 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 the land, of the culture, of the traditions and all that. And then also what we bring in is more that science-based thing. So it's always a blend of traditional knowledge, traditional science and Western science. Very cool. So if our listeners wanted to learn a little bit more, how, where would they go to find out more about SEER? Uh, they could visit our website at www.yourseer, spelled Y-O-U-R-C-I-E-R.org. And that has a lot of information about what we're doing and the projects that we've worked on. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jesse DeGrave, project manager, project manager at SEER, for talking to us today. Thank you very much, Nolan. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, we will learn more about the summer internship program at the Winnipeg Foundation, which is connecting youth to nonprofit organizations all throughout our city will speak with the youth engagement coordinator at the foundation tolu ilila boye but first let's go to a song here's an rc360 favorite patula clark with i couldn't live without your love right here on river city 360. you're the only one that i rely on a shoulder there for me to cry on and the arms alone that i'm without you all i ever do is think about you
Good morning and welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning, and we are now joined by Tolu Ililaboye. She's the Youth Engagement Coordinator at the Winnipeg Foundation. Tolu, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about the Summer Internship Program, which is one of several programs that you manage under the Winnipeg Foundation's Young Winnipeg Connect banner. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Tell us a little bit about the Summer Internship Program, what it's all about. The Summer Internship Program is an opportunity to engage young people in the charitable sector through meaningful work experience. So it gives them an opportunity to actually go out, to, go out to an organization and work with them, get to see how a nonprofit runs from behind the scenes. So not necessarily from a volunteer aspect where you might not get to see the financial aspect or the administrative aspect, but they're actually in the throes of it. So from um, you know event planning to coordinating volunteers, they get to see the back end of the charitable sector. So it's a way for them to kind of gain practical experience versus a program like Youth in Philanthropy. They're visiting organizations, I understand, but it's not quite as hands-on as a, the summer internship program would be. Yeah, the summer internship program really allows young people to dive into what the organization is doing and get their hands dirty in what they're doing. So they're, it's, it's a meaningful work experience where they're actually getting to touch down in the different areas within the organization. So from their financial, again, their financial sector to our financial department to their um, event planning department to their administrative department to their front end, they get to work in all aspects of it and they really get to see what, how they can become leaders within that different organization or within the different organizations that they're a part of, but also get to see how those organizations impact the lives of the people that they're working with every single day. You kind of touched on this a little bit. What are some of the benefits for the youth participants as well as some of the benefits that the mentors who take part might receive from being part of this program? For a lot of the youth, this is their first job that they've ever had, or if not the first job, the first office job. So they learn things from how to send a proper email to how to correspond their schedules to about the two o'clock lull. <laughs> Anything in between. Where uh, yet I just met with one of our alumni of the program today, and she was saying that her entire year, final year of high school was completely changed by her experience at the summer internship program because she was placed at Global College and had the chance to really learn about how um, how you, you can keep your schedules going, but how you keep going and motivated through a really heavy, through a really intense work period. And so she was able to increase her GPA from a 94, which is still really high, to a 98% throughout the entire school year. And she was really proud of herself because she was quote unquote coasting at a 94 for a while. Um, but at the same time, we also had, uh, you know, our mentors get a lot of experience in training a young person and helping to build up the next generation of leaders at in Winnipeg and being able to say, you know what, I was able to help this young person change their decision in terms of what they wanted to do or see the, see the community in a new way. Very cool. Um, participants in SIP usually, now they're not just doing everyday things. Sometimes they are, but usually when they take part in SIP, they're usually working on a specific project that's taking place, sort of a short-term project that the organization is is doing throughout the summer. Could you give us some examples of some of the more interesting or some of the projects that stand out to you as uh, successes from the program? 
For sure. This year we have uh, one of our interns is placed at the Society for Manitobans with Disabilities and she'll be working on their drop zone event. And for anyone who's not familiar with the drop zone event, it's when pe people cascade down the side of one of our high rises in Winnipeg. So she gets to do the entire uh, back end of the event planning aspect of that with, uh, with her mentor. We have another young woman who's actually going to be the volunteer coordinator assistant for the entire Assiniboi Park Conservancy. And they have over 300 volunteers. And this 17-year-old girl is going to be working with with all of those volunteers. Uh, we have another young man, he's at Youth Employment Services Manitoba this year, and he'll be working with coordinating all of the youth that come through their doors and working with them and helping them find their placements over the summer. So they're really a variety of jobs and there's no um, one area that is more important than the other area and they all get the chance to meet each other and but also learn about their organization and the organizations that are also a part of the program. And when we were at the SIP breakfast, there was even one mentor who took part in, I believe it was the first iteration of yeah. SIP, and now she's back mentoring a participant of her own. Yeah, so we had Trisha Lynn, who was a part of the summer internship program in its first year. We're now in the 12th year. And so she was a part of the summer internship program with the Zoological Society. And then at the 10-year anniversary, she was there again, uh, but she was with Rainbow Stage. And then this year, she's back, but she's with Society for Manitobans with Disabilities. So she's uh, kind of seen the whole project of the whole program from start to where we are now and she she's been a really great mentor to have on board because she brings so much insight and she's been able to learn with us and grow the program with us and so we're so happy to have her on again this year and be able to take on um, helping Naomi who's her intern this year with uh, learning about the community and learning about the projects and the programs that they work with at Society for Manitobans with Disabilities. That's excellent. Now um as far as applying for this year, uh, as far as applying for SIP goes, this year is all ready to go because we're already in the throes of summer. But uh, if there are young people out there listening and they're interested in maybe taking part in SIP next year or seeing what other kind of programs that Young Winnipeg Connect has to offer in terms of linking them with philanthropy and the nonprofit sector, where can they go to get more information? Check out our website, www.wpgfdnyip.org. That's a great place to start. And then from there, you can also come and connect with us at the foundation. I'm always more than happy to sit down with anyone who's interested in our youth programs. And I'd love to connect you with a community and different organizations that are looking for young people like yourself to be a part of what they're doing in, in Winnipeg. Perfect. Thank you so much, Tolu, for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Tolu Liliboye is the Youth Engagement Coordinator at the Winnipeg Foundation. And again, as she said, if you'd like to learn more about Young Winnipeg Connect or the Summer Internship Program or any of the other programs offered through the Foundation, you can visit wpgfdnyip.org. Thanks, Robert. For more information about the Summer Internship Program, you can stay tuned to River City 360 as we will be speaking with some of these fantastic young people doing great work in Winnipeg in episodes to come. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons will join us in studio to talk about this week in Winnipeg. And I understand he has a special report from Folkfest, so I can't wait to hear about that. But first, here's the Spitfire Band with Back Bay Shuffle right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. And we're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons, the citizen journalism project uh, by the Winnipeg Foundation. Noah, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. So CNC is a place for citizen journalists to have their say and to basically tell the stories of their communities. And I understand mm-hmm. there's a new project recently launched by CNC uh, that allows citizens to have their say in a different way. Tell, tell our listeners about that. Yeah, it's called um, CNC. Well, CNC's video booth. It's called Express Yourself. And um, basically, it's a video booth that's set up right now in the Millennium Library uh, main floor. And the booth uh, is asking a question. And the question is, what is one thing that would make our community better and why? And uh, you um, can record your answer uh, at this video booth, and then those answers are published on CNC, which is uh, okay. communitynewscommons.org or uh, uh, cncwpg.org. It takes so, you to the same place. So what's the question exactly? Uh, what is one thing that would make our community better and why? Okay. So many people have come into the booth to record their answer to that question, and uh, we have published those answers uh, on the site. And uh, it's very interesting, some of the, uh, some of the answers that uh, uh, people have with regards to uh, making our community better. Some have to do with knowing other cultures, uh, treating other people with respect. Um, uh, you know, some people are looking at um, you know improving the lives of uh, young people. So it's a, just a vast uh, cool. range of answers. It's also, I have to say, it's, this is a a um, project that is a collaboration between CNC and Alliance Française du Manitoba. Um, the booth is also the other half of it is called Le Poem Matin, which is basically an opportunity for people to record a poem in French or any other language. Cool. And um, French language poems are available at the video booth, uh, the, the, the sort of on the outside of it, that you can use those, or you can bring one in yourself, or you can come up with your own poem, which uh, one person has done that's Very now posted cool. on our site. So our listeners can go to communitynewscommons.org and, and watch all of these fantastic answers, but I understand you brought us the a clip of one of the answers here to the question, what is one way you can make your community better and why? So here it is. To make our community better, we have to have more involvement of the youth, more arts, more literature. Art can save the world. And if we can implement that into our city, I think we can have a greater, more culturally, culturally together community that will benefit everyone, really. Peace and love for all. So that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. I love I love hearing from the, you know people on the street, com- citizen journalists that are going out there and really caring about their community and trying to trying to make it a better place. So our li- anyone can go down and push the button and, uh, and answer right. that question. You don't have to be a citizen reporter signed up with uh, Community News Commons. You can be um, just or ordinary citizen Fantastic. walk into the video booth and that booth will move around the city. I mean, it's going to be at Millennium Library until the middle of July, and it will move to other parts of the city, and we will. Um, have other questions that will be designed uh, for the booth. Very cool. Uh, that will try and basically get it. We get an idea of what uh, what people in our community are thinking about on some really important issues that uh, that are of a concern to Manitobans. So if you're downtown in the uh, in the area of the Millennium Library, stop in, have your say, answer the question. So when you first sat down, I told our listeners that you spent a little bit of time at FolkFest in the past couple of days. And, uh, you know, normally you think, because all my friends are out there right now, all my friends are at FolkFest, but you don't normally think that sort of the uh, the golden the golden age people, 55 plus, are, are usually spending much time. But you told me that that's not really the case. There's actually quite a few 
that are out there right now. You know, Folk Festival has been around for uh, more than 30 years, and there are many people who have been going there for more right. th- for, for that length of time. And if you do the math, um, quite a few of them will be 55 plus yeah. uh, if they started going uh, when the Folk Festival sur- uh, first started. And uh, there are many, many people, uh, mature individuals that uh, will be enjoying the Folk Festival um, for the first time, some of them for the 35th time. Yeah, for sure. And I understand you were able to speak with a few 55 plusers out at Folk Fest <laughs> earlier in the past couple of days, and they told you exactly why Folk Fest isn't just for young people at all. Having been here at one of the first folk festivals, I'd say it's been welcoming for people who started the festival years ago. And, uh, you know, you're young at heart and we just continue to love the music. It's all good. Well, to be perfectly honest, I've been coming for 48 years. So um, when I first started, I was the same age as many of the kids running through the field. So I didn't run through the field, but they do. So uh, um, it's just something that's uh, come along as time has marched by. We've joined in and continued on coming. Oh, definitely multi-generational. I look forward to this every summer. It's my one of the highlights of my summer every year. And, uh, you know, we just enjoy it. I've been coming for 15, 16 years and just have a ton of fun here. It's not about age so much. It's about people who appreciate music in general. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It's a great family event and it's very peaceful and everybody gets along and it's just a great time. This is our fifth year coming here and actually this year we drove all the way from southern Utah to be here. Yeah, because we love it so much. It's just awesome. So today is the last day of Folk Fest. Now, if any of our listeners, you know, still want to get out for that one last day, there's still a whole bunch of great bands. What what, what kind of advice can you give to them for if they're planning on going out for the first time or don't really know what to expect? Well, the key to enjoying the Winnipeg Folk Festival is preparation, okay? It doesn't take long to prepare, but the most important thing is uh, make sure you do a number of things that will make your uh, visit there uh, really enjoyable. Uh, pr- pretend as though you're camping for an entire day and an entire night. Okay, that's okay. what you have to prepare for. So I would suggest taking two bags. One is sort of a day bag. The other is sort of a night bag or has more heavier stuff in it. And in your day bag uh, or on your person, you should have a hat, sunglasses, sunscreen, T-shirt, shorts, sandals, cell phone, wallet, um, cash is good uh, because, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's always uh, safe to have that. However, uh, some places will take Interact there. Um, phone charger because there are little stations to, oh. that you can charge at. Perfect. Water bottle for sure, mosquito repellent or mosquito jacket. But uh, mosquitoes aren't really that bad at the Folk Festival because there's so many people and they do spray, right. I guess, beforehand. So it's not a big issue. Um, definitely... I have a rain gear like some poncho or a rain jacket or maybe even rain pants if if you need. And another pair of shoes or boots Perfect. that, uh, that wow. you might want to take. So that's what you're packing. You can set up for a week. Well, the thing is, is that if you're packing, uh, I mean, you can take some snacks too. There is food on site. Um, and, um, you know, maybe take your camera. Uh, no glass. Uh, no okay. booze. Uh, but basically there is a, a beer tent and, and many, many food vendors, as I said. Great. So speaking of Red Moon Road, which you just mentioned, I understand that they're going to be playing tonight at Folk Festival, and you wanted to feature one of their songs uh, here for the end, end, end of our time together. Yeah, this is a great band. Uh, Red Moon Road formed in uh, 2012 um, here in Manitoba in Winnipeg, uh, formed by Daniel Jordan, Sheena Ratai, and Daniel Peloquin Hoffner. Um, they, uh, in 2015, they were on a, a, a sort of an adventurous 
tour across seven countries in Europe and North America. Cool. Uh, they released a new album in the fall of 2015, and it has already spent uh, three weeks at number one uh, in its uh, eight weeks on the Earshot National Folk Roots Blues Chart. Oh, great. Uh, delighted with listeners uh, worldwide. So I'd like to feature a, um, a cut from their new album called Sorrows and Glories. So this is Red Mood and Road with their tune called I'll Bend But I Won't Break right here on River City 360 CGNU 93.7. I see clouds build on the horizon I know they'll come I know weather like this I've seen what it's done That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And do you have an opinion on this week's show? We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call on our listener line. The number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about what you heard on the show this week, request a song, or suggest a topic for any of our future episodes. So again, our number is 24-7. You can call at any time. Just leave a message. That's 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for RiverCity360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. Mm-hmm.